with that, we are just excited to have everyone here. It's awesome to be celebrating the graduates. And at this time, I'm going to turn it over to Bob and also ask all the graduates to come up to the front. Yeah, as Alan mentioned, we wanted to take a few moments to honor you guys and your achievements. So we're missing a couple, a couple of them, but uh, we got Ben and Tiffany and Marla and Shara. And Jay Prince also is graduating for those that are around for youth group on Wednesday nights. And then uh, Sarah Elric is graduating. So it's kind of, sometimes we think of graduation as the end of a chapter, but it's also the beginning of the next chapter. And so with that in mind, I wanted to just read one proverb uh, from Proverb chapter 16. It says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his step. So in a minute, I'll give you a chance to tell everybody what your plan is for your next step or so, but it's good to plan. We need to plan, but the Lord is the one that establishes our steps. And sometimes, you know, you guys have each all experienced this already that life doesn't go as planned, right? And it's comforting to know that part of that is God is establishing his plan because we don't always have the same vision, same plan for our life that he does. So take comfort when things don't go as planned, that that's God, no doubt, um, establishing his plans and, and strengthening us and maybe moving us in a slightly different direction than we had hoped, but his plan's always better. So with that, I'm gonna give you guys a chance to can say your name, maybe you can say where you're graduating from and what your plan is for your next steps if you want to. Um, my name is Ben Backus, and many of you know me, or most of you do. I graduated from Mass Bible College about a couple weeks ago with a counseling psychology degree in biblical studies. And obviously, as you know, my plan is to get married to Caitlin <laughs> in a very short amount of time. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so our plans are still kind of up in the air, but we're looking at jobs in Dubuque and Des Moines and just kind of waiting on Lord's direction for that. I'm Tiffany Vaughn. I'm graduating from Valley High School, and my plans are to go to Indian Hills to study pre-law. I'm Marla Grubb. I graduated from South Hamilton High School, and in the fall, I will be attending DMACC uh, to obtain my general education degree, and then I will transfer to Iowa State to major in agricultural business. I'm Shara Smith. I graduated from Sioux Central High School, and I plan to attend Iowa State University and major undecided. Okay, so let me just pray for you guys. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to get to know these young people, and thank you for your work in their lives of grace. Thank you for the plans that you have for them and the plans that they have for their life, and I just pray that you would establish their ways and that we would have the opportunity to see them develop in their spiritual gifts and their, their um, life's calling and just come alongside them in encouragement. We just thank you for them again. In Jesus' name, amen. Shara and Marla and Tiffany, I looked this up this morning, and, and what you've accomplished in graduating from high school, only 30% of the world population has accomplished. And Ben, you've accomplished something that only 7% of the world population has accomplished. So let's Join me in congratulating them, and you can have a seat. Congratulations to our graduates. Congratulations to the Burtons. Uh, they just came in, so the Burtons are new parents. Yeah, young people, you're dismissed to uh, Sunday school. But uh, uh, Jason and Shania, congratulations. We uh, praise in God with you over the birth of Jesslyn. So it's exciting, and we're glad that you're able to be here with us this morning. You can greet them after the service if you would. That'd be a, that'd be a special thing, so we're grateful for that. I'd invite you to turn our attention now to the Word of God, if you'd bow with me and we pray together. Father, you know, we, we kind of just take things for granted. I do, Lord. I just thank you for these young people that were up here before us. Uh, gifts from you. Uh, to their parents and to their families. And I pray now that they would be finely aimed arrows 
shot out into the world to make a difference for Jesus. I pray that they would, regardless of their profession, regardless of their activity, they would see their calling as children of God first, and then whatever they do as a profession second. I pray that you would guide our time in the Word. May we worship you in spirit and in truth. Take your word, Lord, I know I need it. I need the truths that are revealed in it to change me and transform me. I pray that you'd accomplish that in each of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We do apologize if uh, some of you get a little bit warm. Uh, We only have half of our air conditioning unit that's working at the time. So if you find yourself a little bit warm on your side of the sanctuary, just feel free to move over. Uh, I'm not sure which side's working, so uh, that side's working. So uh, it won't bother me at all. I'm used to all kinds of things happening when I preach, so if you want to get up and move over to the cool side, uh, that's fine. I'm, I'm good with that. I just wanted to say, last week, some of you were here and you saw this uh, flash screen of a volcano, okay? When I'm preaching, the, the poor people in the back, they have to try to keep up with me, and sometimes that's not so easy. And so I had this uh, eruption of Mount Kilauea was at one of the slides on the screen, and the, the point of Mount Kilauea was that every morning I was talking about uh, Mary and how Mary was hanging on the words of Jesus, and she was listening to the words of Jesus, anxious to hear what Jesus had to say, which is something each of us should. And... I had this picture because every morning in Hawaii, the people of Hawaii wake up waiting anxiously to hear what the next word is about Mount Kilauea. Well, we should be that way with Jesus and his words, waiting to hear what the Lord has to say to us. That has nothing to do with Ruth, okay? That's uh, last week, and it has to do with Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. Back in 2016, during the summer... The Summer Olympics were in Brazil, and Ryan Lochte, who was a swimmer for the United States Olympic swim team, won several medals in the pool that summer, but he was called back to Brazil because there was a court case. Evidently, he had made up this fabricated story about he and some of his friends who he said had been robbed at gunpoint or something, which was a total lie. It was a fabrication. And it made me think about the fact that soon after it came out that they were making this up, that they had been kind of out on a a wild binge and they were causing problems, that the people who had been cheering when he was winning the medals were now the people who were jeering because of his character and because of the way he had gone. The... Sponsors, some of his sponsors, uh, Speedo and uh, Ralph Lauren, rescinded their sponsorship of him. But I wonder, you know, who was it that stuck with him? Who was it that was hanging in there? Who of his fans and who of his family were the ones who were the loyal people when he was the one who was in kind of a bad situation in a hot seat? And it kind of revealed to me that in the world, and many of us are like the world, in the sense that our, our faithfulness is really fickle. We think about sports fans and people, you know, when things are going well, it's all what's in it for me. If, I, if I'm benefiting from the loyalty to you or to other people, then I tend to, in my fallen nature, things are going well. But when you're not benefiting me, then sometimes it's like, well, I'm not really all that loyal. But that's not the way that those of us who name the name of Jesus, actually not those who name the name of Jesus, but those who actually know Jesus are to live. That's not the way God's called us to live. And we see in the book of Ruth, the book titled after the main character in the book, Ruth, an example that's the opposite of the world, an example that calls believers to live with a loyal kind of love. Because if we're living by faith, If we really are, as we look at these portraits of faith, living by faith, then our lives should be distinct from the world which has fickle faithfulness. Ours should be a loyal love. And think about it. It is the love of God to his people, loyal love, 
It's not based upon how great we are. It's always there. And the psalmist, I think it's Psalm 89, he says, You're, uh, I will sing of your loving kindness every morning, your faithful love, your loyal love. And so I invite you to turn to the book of Ruth because in the example of Ruth, she blessed other people through her loyal love. And she also served God's greater purposes through her loyal love. And thus, that becomes, I think, a challenge for me to bless other people with loyal love and to serve God's higher purposes with loyal love. That's the call for everyone who names the name of Jesus. Ruth's example reveals three aspects of loyal love that benefit the recipients of it and serve God's higher purposes. First of all, uh, and I'm not going to read through the entire book of Ruth for you this morning, okay? So we're going to kind of do the 36,000 feet flyover. I'll read selected portions of it as we go through the text. I'm just going to set the stage and read the first four verses. Now, it came about in the days when the judges governed that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem of Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and his two sons. Now the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem of Judah. Now they entered the land of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. And they took to themselves Moabite women as wives, the name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth, and they lived there about ten years. Then both Malon and Chilion also died, and the woman and the woman was bereft of her two children and her husband. And some of you will know the rest of the story, and if you don't, that's fine, because we'll try to walk, walk through it. But first of all, Ruth exemplifies for us that loyal love is, is a proclaimed love, is a declared love. It's love that's declared. And there are two factors to consider the circumstances which I basically read. There was a famine in Judah. And so Elimelech took his wife, Naomi, and his two sons and went to Moab, crossed the Jordan River and went into Moab. And there they, uh, his sons found wives and the, the husband died and the, the wives, his children died. So you had Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws. They were the only ones left. And so Naomi, in that day and age, before the days of uh, at least, I mean, in most of the world is like this, no social services, your protection and your provision came from your family, which, I'll just throw this out there, I think it still should, uh, primarily. I mean, this is God's plan, you know, the family take care of the family. So anyhow, they were supposed to take, well, who was the family? Naomi's family was back in, in Judah. And these women, their families were still there, but they had been aligned by their husbands to Naomi. And so Naomi says, you ladies stay here. There's no way I'm going to have other children and that you're going to be able to marry them. So you just stay here. And we read in the text later that Orpah said, okay, fine, I'll go. But Ruth didn't go. Ruth stayed and said, I'm going with you, Naomi. I'm going to, I'm going to stay with you. I will, t I will go. And here is the situation for Naomi. In chapter 1, verse 13, Naomi says this. Would you therefore wait until uh, they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marriage? No, my daughters, for it is harder for me than for you, for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. Some of you feel that way. And if you don't now, you will. And if you won't, you have. The hand of the Lord is against me. Naomi was, she said, this is, my, my name is Mara, bitter. Remember when the children of Israel were coming out of the land of Egypt and they tasted the water and it was bitter and they named the place Mara because it was bitter. She feels bitter that God has treated her wrongly and she is sorrowful. And folks, here is the sense in which the whole book of Ruth, we are Naomi in a sense. We are Naomi. We are the ones that are, are lost and destitute and hurting and needy. And it is 
God who redeems us, just as Naomi was redeemed and taken care of. But Naomi's in a bad spot, extremely difficult time for her, and her sons uh, weren't there to take care of her. Her husband wasn't there to take care of her. She says, I'm going back. And so she says, what do you want to do? Ruth says, I'll stay with you. It says in chapter 1, verse 14, and they lifted up their voices, the, the, the daughter-in-laws, and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But read the text. But Ruth clung to her. Ruth clung to her. Ruth said, I will stay with you. Loyal love is not usually birthed in difficulty, but it is revealed in difficulty. Loyal love is not usually birthed in difficulty, but it is revealed in difficulty. Some of you remember the story of the prodigal son. Was the father's love, loyal love towards his son, birthed in that circumstance where the son left? No, absolutely not. But it was revealed when his son returned. That's the way loyal love is. We have friends, not around here. They have a child that's gone astray. They raised them up to know and fear and love Jesus, but not so interested in that stuff. And they pray for that child, and they interact with that child, and they initiate contact with that child, and they care for that child. Their loyal love for the child is not born in that adversity. It is revealed in that difficulty. They care for them. See, then the content of her declared love. The circumstances are given. It's a difficult situation, but Ruth is willing to stay in there. But then the content of her declared love is in verses 14 through 18, and I'm going to read the text. And they lifted up their voices. Again, that's the two daughter-in-laws, and they wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her. Then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. That thus may the Lord do to me. And worse, if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, that is Naomi, saw that Ruth was determined to go with her. She said no more to her. So there we have it. Her love is declared. And we see it in, in three ways. But the, Ruth's lips convey that, hey, I care about you. I'm concerned about you. You know, love is a choice. I'm privileged to go through the premarital counseling with Ben and, and Caitlin but I will tell them, love is a choice. It's a commitment. Above all, I mean, you know, the feelings of love come and go. But love is a choice. And Ruth made a choice. She made a choice to leave her people. She made a choice to leave her family. She made a choice to leave her native tongue. She made a choice to leave her values, her customs, her gods, and follow Naomi. Loyal love. Loyal love. First of all, she attached herself to the person of Naomi. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Where you die, I will die. She was committed to her. And you know, you've heard this passage probably sometimes at weddings, right? But that's really the commitment that you're making. Where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Where you die, I will die. By God's grace, that's where it's going to be. She was following. She wasn't leading. She adopted the people of Naomi. Your people will be my people. Trent is a young 20-something guy who spent five months in Uganda. And Trent is from northwest Iowa. Northwest Iowa and Uganda are literally worlds apart. Culturally, geographically, economically. And... Trent had to learn to accept the value of relationships over timeliness. Because if you're on your way somewhere and you run into somebody and you have a conversation, that conversation is far more important than getting to where you were going on time for the Ugandan people. 
Ruth left everything that she was comfortable with. Loyal love. She adopted the people of Naomi. It says, Ruth embraced as her own a people that you did not previously know. That's chapter 2, verse 11. A people you didn't previously know. That's strange. And finally, she accepted the God of Naomi. And your God will be my God, chapter 1, verse 16. There was hints that she may have already been acquainted with Naomi's God. Because Orpah, she returned to her own gods. But Naomi, uh, Ruth had already said, thus may the Lord do to me. In chapter 1, verse 17, Ruth says, thus may the Lord do to me. And more. So it's possible that she had already, through Naomi, had some exposure to the true God of, of Israel. But the God of, and then Boaz later declared in chapter 2, verse 12, of this of, of Ruth. He says, The God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. So Ruth's love pictures, her loyal love pictures the kind of love that God has for his people. It pictures the kind of love that a spouse is to have for their partner. It pictures the kind of love that God's people are to have towards each other. It is a self-giving love. It is a commitment of the heart. It is that which is a commitment. We have good friends. Uh, He was uh, the best man in, in our wedding and uh, they live in Royal, Illinois, which is southeast of Champaign, Urbana, and then a little bit north. It's about an eight-hour drive to where my son and my daughter-in-law got married. And they made the trek and came all the way to the wedding and spent the night and then went back the next day. And then he was, uh, he's a pastor, so he was preaching. I'm not sure if he had to preach that Sunday. I don't think so, but he, he got that time off. But he took the sacrifice for a friend. That's the point. Ruth and Naomi understood this because Ruth demonstrated to Naomi a loyal love which only demonstrates what God has called us to. I ask you this morning, who are the people in our lives? Who are the people in my life that God is calling me to love with the same kind of love that Ruth gave towards Naomi. A loyal love. A loyal love that is declared. A loyal love that is demonstrated. It's the second point. As if loyal love was proclaimed, but now her loyal love is proven. As my grandma used to say, the proof is in the pudding, right? So you can talk and say you make the best bread pudding ever, but unless it tastes like the best bread pudding ever, it's not the best best bread pudding ever. So, Here it is. Our loyal love is proven. In chapter 1, verse 19 through chapter 4, verse 13, there are three ways that Ruth demonstrated this loyal love. Demonstrated in a way that sets an example for you and me. First of all, there was sacrifice. We've mentioned a little bit, but Ruth came with Naomi to Jerusalem. Her sacrifice was spoken of loudly. Look at Boaz, who later became her husband. In verse, chapter 2, verse 11, he says, And Boaz answered and said to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me, and how you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. thinking about Jesus. What was it like for the Son of God to become a human being? To leave heaven. To become one of us. To leave what he knew to become something he didn't really know. (laughs) To become one of us. What was it like for her? What would it be like? What is the sacrifice you and I make for the people that we love? Oh, I give a lot. You know, I get on my pity party and start thinking, wow, jeepers, this is really a sacrifice. You know, man, look at all I'm giving up. Look at all the sacrifice that I give. Ruth gave it all. She sacrificed people you didn't know. She left what was familiar. We have friends. In the last several months, they've been down to our home in Urbandale, they've helped us with painting. 
Last week before we moved, they were in our home two or three nights until late helping us pack. Showed up the day we loaded up our, the, the, the U-Haul and they stayed all day. We started at 12 noon and we ended and the, the guy was there at 10.30 that night when we shut the door. The next day, the wife came over and Marla stayed up in Albert City and they completely cleaned the parsonage, move-in ready. Then she loaded up a few extra items in their van and drove it down here and dropped it off at Urbandale. She left Urbandale at 10.30 Saturday night to go back home. A sacrifice for people that you love. And what's the impact of that? It's huge. People, as I think it was Joe Aldridge said, people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. Ruth sacrificed. Love sacrifices. Wives move to follow their husbands in their job. Older siblings, you give rides to the younger siblings when that's not cool. Uh, single friends help out others with a project or they host a party or guys get together and help pound nails and drive screws and ladies get together to organize stuff and uh, create things. I, I never did understand how women get anything done. Sorry, I, I, just, I just don't. I mean, they're, they're talking. They do, but it's just like it's amazing to me how that works. I mean, as a, guys are like, let's get her done, you know. It's like we can talk later. And, 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 and gals are like, it just it all happens at the same time. I, I don't, it's a mystery. It's one of those things in 1 Peter 3 where he says, live with your wives in an understanding way. We don't have to understand them. We can't. We just live with them in an understanding way. It's amazing how God works that out. But love sacrifices, and it cares. Husbands play less, and they fix more. That's sacrificing. I go shopping. That's sacrificing. So I like to hunt when I go to a store. I know what I'm there for. I go in for it. I hunt it down. I kill it. I take it to the check register. I pay for it, and I leave. Anything else is a waste of time. No, you know, you could compare things and you could look at this and you could look at that and then you could say, well, I really like this, but I like that better. And well, no, but this is cheaper and that's more expensive. And I'm going, I don't care. Just buy what you need and leave. To sacrifice. Well, we sacrifice for each other. And so it's okay for me. It's a growth for me to go and shop, which I mean actually shop, which actually means look around and, and do things. And God asks us, love sacrifices, love serves. In chapter 2, verses 1 through 23, Boaz was a near relative. He was the closest relative. And in those days, it was the nearest relative who had to take ownership or take or had the opportunity to come alongside and help this widow and her widowed daughter-in-law. And so, not by accident, that God providentially brings the kinsman, redeemer, and Ruth together. Ruth takes it upon herself to go out and initiate uh, the, the, the work, but it's God's sovereign work to bring all of them together. Look at chapter 2, verse 2. And Ruth, the Moabite, is said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after one in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Because they couldn't get anything to eat unless they went out and got it. Verse 3, So she departed and went to the, and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened, I like the way the New American Standard is, it just so happened that uh, she came to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, May the Lord be with you. And they said to him, May the Lord be bless you. And uh, then Boaz said to his servants, uh, who, is in who is in charge of the reapers? Whose young woman is this? <laughs> 
He had a lot of young women out there. Well, he must have caught, she must have caught his eye somehow. But it just so happened that in the sovereignty of God, he brought the two together. Not an accident. Ruth had initiated making provision for herself and, and Naomi. And she was willing to sift through the leftovers. You know, that's the, that's the plan of social Caring was they left the fields ungleaned so that the poor and the needy could go and work and get the stuff they needed to survive. And that's where Ruth was for herself and for Naomi. And Ruth's, and it was dangerous work. Well, it's a hard work and dangerous work. If you look at verse 20, look at verse 9, chapter uh, 2. Let your eyes uh, be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Indeed, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. This is Boaz speaking to Ruth. I'm protecting you. Verse 22, And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his maids, lest others fall upon you in another field. It's dangerous. They were needy. It was dangerous. God was providing for her. And Ruth's service was a blessing to Naomi, but it was a testimony to Boaz. And he says in uh, verse uh, 8 through 13, he says, Then Boaz uh, said to Ruth, verse 8, Listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one. But stay here with my maids. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Indeed, I have commanded the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. And then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered and said to her, All that you've done for your mother-in-law. And then the verse I read earlier. I've noticed it. I've paid attention. It's come into my awareness that you're caring for her, and it mattered. So Ruth was not only a blessing to Naomi, but she was an example to Boaz. And it was an encouragement to him. Love serves. Like some who were out here last week pulling weeds when nobody else was watching so that others could come yesterday and dump mulch where the weeds used to be and trim the bushes. So when you walked in, you saw a different place than you did last week if you were noticing because some people were serving Jesus in that way. Others are serving Jesus right now, teaching your children about Jesus. Others were serving all last winter every week at Awanas, serving the Lord. God calls us to serve. Others volunteer, Freedom for Youth or other places, or helping out the, the pastor who's moving into his house. They serve in different ways, helping. I remember on a mission trip once, there was a, a maid in the hotel that we were staying at, and the maid slipped and fell and hurt herself. And so the, the gal who was the, there was a couple that was kind of directing the mission, and the, the, the gal picked up her mop and started mopping the floors for the maid, serving. She didn't get paid for that. She just did it so the maid wouldn't lose her job because she wasn't able to do it. Serving, that's what God calls us to do. So we serve. We serve our spouses, not just Mother's Day. Uh, but we serve our spouses, you know, acts of service, gifts, words of encouragement. Could use some work there. Uh, we need to love our spouses. We serve our siblings. We help watch the younger ones. We care for them. We serve our parents by picking up our rooms. And doing what we're told when we're told instead of always saying, why? We just do what we're supposed to do. We serve in the church. We serve in the community. I just, I'm loving the 4th of July thing. What a great thing. We can serve our community by giving them popcorn and water and letting them watch the fireworks for free. We do the Easter egg hunt. Today, 
a little free food pantry. I was just like thrilled, walked out there, and I saw all these sacks of stuff. You know, the goal is to get 500 items to stack the little box. There's a little box on stilts out here in the, by the parking lot, and it's a, it's a free food pantry so that people from the community can come in and get stuff, and we work with the reserve next door to do it. And so it's our month to raise the, get the stuff. And we got a whole bunch more stuff because we were a little short. We only had like 300 items on Friday. And I don't know if we got 500, but we got more than we had, okay? And the Urbandale Food Pantry, and that's how we serve. We demonstrate our love to people by serving and encouraging. And let me tell you what, folks, it doesn't just bless the people we minister to, but the world is watching. They'll know that you are Christians by your love. By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself as we love each other and love others. It tells the world that this thing about Jesus is real. Then we see submission. Her love was demonstrated by submission. Naomi took up on herself to seek the security of Ruth. You know the story. It's kind of the first Sadie Hawkins deal. Uh, the, the, you can look that up later if you want. That's kind of an old term. But anyhow, <clears throat> Ruth is told by Naomi, look, this guy is the, the man. He's the one that's going to take care of us. So I want you to go when he's threshing wheat at night, and then at the night when it's dark, you go in there and then you just position yourself right at his feet. And we read in the story that Boaz woke up in the middle of the night when it was dark and was like, whoa, there was a woman there. What's going on here? This is kind of strange. There's no indication that anything inappropriate took place, but basically then Ruth pops the question. She says, basically, marry me. You know? And he says, uh, okay. I'm down. Oh, but there's another guy standing in line first. Now, the point is that he, this was a, not just a, an affection, not just an emotional attachment. This was a responsibility that he had. He was the kinsman redeemer. He was the nearest in line to take care of her. He had to marry, if he married her, he was marrying her. He was purchasing the land of her father-in-law, and he was going to raise up a child who would inherit the land that he purchased. So this was a big deal. But in doing so, he would redeem. The word redeem, the essence of it is, is to, to, to buy, to purchase, the purchase price. He was the nearest redeemer, the nearest one who would take care of her, the legal responsible one who would provide for the inheritance of Elimelech and continue that lineage all the way through. And in essence, he would provide for Naomi and Ruth, and that was their protection, that was their provision, that was what God did to take care of them. The first in line refused. Well, First, he wanted to buy the land, but then he realized all that came with it. Well, you got to take Ruth, and you have to raise up a child, and then the child gets the land. Whoops, sorry, I'm not in for that. Uh, I want to take care of my own. And so Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. Ruth submitted. Love submits. Wives and husbands, you submit to each other. Children, you submit to your parents. Believers in the church of Jesus Christ, we submit to each other. We submit to those who are in leadership and authority over us in the church. Citizens, we submit to those in authority because that's what God's called us to in Romans 13 and Romans 14. Love submits. So we see Ruth's love, which was uh, proclaimed, and then it was proven, and now we see the fruit of her obedience, the fruit of her love. And there are three kinds. A loyal love impacts those who receive it. Ruth's first kindness uh, in chapter 3, if you look at chapter 3, verse 10. Then he said, May you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. In other words, Boaz is saying, You came to me to fulfill the responsibility, not because I'm the, the greatest prize, the greatest catch, but because of your loyalty to your mother-in-law, your loyalty to the family. 
And so your last has been greater. And he, he commended her for that. Her impacted, it impacted Naomi. She was providing for Naomi. Ruth was about Naomi in this, not about Ruth. If Ruth was about Ruth, she never would have come to Judah. She was about Naomi. And she took care of Naomi. She was an encouragement in the face of an extremely difficult circumstance. A few years ago, I don't know if any of you were aware of this, but there was a, it's called the avian flu, uh, where we were living in northwest Iowa. I, I, well, the grubs can uh, relate to this because they live up in the Jewel area. There's a lot of turkeys, a lot of birds up there. I don't, did you guys get hit by the avian flu pretty heavy up there? Yeah. So we had a, an avian flu up in where, we're, where we were from. Rembrandt Enterprises has a million chickens in one uh, complex, okay? And they're, they're laying eggs. We have lots of... Billmar is a big uh, turkey processing plant in Storm Lake. They harvest a lot of turkeys. They're, all the birds and all the barns were cleared out because of this avian flu. The birds got sick, and so they, they cleared them out. Well, that impacted a lot of people. And so uh, the, the local ministerial decided we're going to have a, a benefit and just show our support for the turkey and, and the, like the poultry producers. And you cannot believe, I mean, it was like, I was kind of ticked off because all of the politicians wanted to get a piece of the pie. You know, they wanted to show up and get on TV, and we didn't know there's going to be TV. We just wanted to reach out and say, you know, we care about you people. We can't really do much, but we're going to put on a meal. We're going to raise some money. It's not going to cost you anything. We just want people. We're going to come together. We're going to pray for you and show our support. And I tell you what, the, the bird producers came up to us afterwards, and they just said, thank you so much. We just feel like, you know, that, you know, somebody cares about what's happening. So Ruth, her love impacted Naomi. And our love impacts the people that we love directly. It, it, it affects them. Love doesn't just impact the people that we are around, but it inspires love. Loyal love inspires those who witness it to follow suit, to do it likewise. I mean... Our friends showering with us love, you showering us with love, just certainly encourages us to do the same with other people because we see it and we experience it. Ruth's loyal love inspired others. It inspires me. Look at chapter 3, verse 11. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask, for all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. I wonder, do the people in our city know that we are people of excellence? That they're inspired by our integrity, by our love, by our activity. Robertson McQuilkin was president in 1990 of Columbia University, International University. And in 1990, he resigned his place to care full-time for his wife, Muriel, who had advanced Alzheimer's. Here's his quote. It's clear to me that Muriel needs me now full-time. My decision was made, in a way, 42 years ago when I promised to care for Muriel in sickness and in health till death do us part. What's my commitment in loyal love? Do I love as God has called me to love? And then finally, loyal love, it does inspire imitation, but loyal love finally, and maybe even most importantly, it invites us to consider God's redeeming love in Jesus. Loyal love, the loyal love of Ruth invites us. In the sovereign plan of God, Ruth's loyal love resulted in the birth. The Bible says in Ruth, and I want you to turn there, in Ruth chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. I'm going to begin with verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Now listen to this. Then the woman, the women said to Naomi, Blessed is the Lord who has not let you, not left you without a redeemer. Who received a redeemer? Naomi. That child, that child was the redeemer. 
was the, the foreshadowing of the Redeemer that we celebrate in the person of Jesus Christ. That child was the one who was raised up, and because of Boaz's care for him, he took care of the needy, outcast, hurting Naomi and Ruth. He became her Redeemer. So you see the beginning of the story? is Naomi is, I am Mara. God has made me bitter. And the end of the story, he took Ruth the outcast and Naomi the destitute, and he provided a Redeemer. One who would purchase and pay the price to redeem them and care for them and provide for them in the same way that the Son of God became our Redeemer. He paid the price so that the outcast and the downcast could become his children. That's a beautiful picture of redemption in this story. He took it to, that we would feel the penalty, the penalty that we have, the power of sin would be destroyed, the penalty of sin would be destroyed because of what Jesus did on the cross and take us away from our sin, from our sadness, and our spiritual bankruptcy in the same way that little Obed, it's kind of an interesting name, but, uh, you know, the son of Ruth and Boaz. Obed was the grandfather of David. David was the descendant of the lineage of Jesus. And so because of this whole thing, the Obed, who becomes the redeemer for Naomi, gives Naomi, uh, Ruth becomes, gives birth to Obed, who becomes the descendant of the redeemer for all mankind. Loyal love. Ruth's loyal love resulted in the birth of, of Naomi's Redeemer, which ultimately resulted in the birth of our Redeemer. And our Redeemer is only our Redeemer if each of us personally puts our faith or our trust in this Redeemer, in what Jesus did and His payment on the cross as the payment for our sins. Scripture says, Let your light shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I wonder. I was thinking about this yesterday when I was not so nice to the checkout person at a certain store, and I thought, and I went back and apologized, and I said, is my light shining for Jesus, or am I just here to get her done? I watched four times the Minnesota Vikings lose the Super Bowl. I went from being an avid Minnesota Vikings fan to I really don't care. My loyalty to the Minnesota Vikings is absolutely contingent upon their performance. God's love for us is absolutely not contingent upon our performance. And he calls us to a love for him and his people and those around us that is not contingent upon their performance. He sent his son to die for those who are the ones who would have hung him on the cross if we'd have been alive at the time because he spoke truth that we didn't want to hear and we love darkness rather than light because our deeds are evil. And as we come now and, and break this bread and drink this cup, which is a symbol of his body broken and his blood shed, we celebrate his loyal love. We celebrate the loyal love of the God of the universe for a people who do not care in the same way that Ruth demonstrated her loyal love for a mother-in-law to move to a land she did not know, to a people she did not know, to a language she did not know, for, to a God she maybe didn't know so that we could be redeemed, rescued, not just from the penalty of sin, but the power of sin that you and I might leave this place and impact the world for Jesus Christ and make a mark for eternity. See, Ruth's loyal love was not just about caring for Naomi. It had God's design and greater purposes in mind. And so does God's work through us as we love and live. And so if you're here this morning and you know Jesus, as we 
take time to reflect and to confess our sin and repent. When God moves you, then come to one of the three tables and take of the bread and drink of the cup and celebrate and rejoice that God in Christ has redeemed you. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then my invitation for you is to contemplate the fact that God really does love you. He did enough for you by sending His Son. Have you received what God did? Or are you just going to keep rejecting what God has done for you? And if you do, there will be no redemption. But He has provided a redemption. It just must be received. And so for those who know Christ, take the elements and rejoice. For those who don't know Christ, contemplate what these elements mean and receive Christ as your Savior. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for Ruth's loyal love. Not just a picture, not just an example, but a portrait uh, for us to follow, but a portrait and a a plan for you to redeem us through her child, Obed, and his child, David, and his child, Jesus Christ, in whose precious name we pray. 